Hi, and welcome to the Franchise Radio Show. Another great instalment for you today. And the title is Your Tech Simply and Successfully. And the reason I'm looking forward to, to this particular interview with Andy Prosser, who I'll introduce to you shortly, is that he's a real whiz in this space. He's been around, he's been involved in the corporate space in large and smaller organisations, and he really understands what he does. And I can say that from personal experience, because I've used and exploited his knowledge to help me with my, my old bits of tech. So um, welcome, everybody. Great to have you here. I hope you've got a notebook, um, because there will be a few bits and pieces, as always. It's worth taking a note of. Um, but uh, Andy is the founder of The Executive Technologists. It's a Microsoft technology partner, uh, but one with a difference. Um, their, their philosophy is you should never pay for our time, only what we can do for you. Don't you like that? Um, he spent a lifetime working within the technology industry across a range of sectors and large corporations, small tech partners, and uh, given him the chance to experience the, the impact, I suppose, that tech has had from a multitude of different perspectives. And I always appreciate a broad band of experience, no pun intended. <laughs> the greatest insight he had that he shared with me was that in every organization, he believes there are silos of information and objectives, and everybody has their own agenda and language, even within a very small organization. Uh, it presents often barriers to achieving the common goals that the organization is aiming for. So Andy realized that he developed some unique skills, and I think you'll learn that and understand that in our conversation. And he's developed an approach that can break these down and bridge the gap. Um, so um, he was born, um, or so was born, I should say, the executive technologist, which is the, the business he's the CEO and founder of, um, and they have a vision of transforming how businesses embrace and deliver solutions using technology by breaking down the barriers of language and jargon between those driving the strategies. Don't you like that? So uh, something to, I think be very conscious is a lot in those powerful words, uh, but also he, what he strives to do and there's a reputation we're doing is implementing these solutions really successfully. So that's where the simply and successfully comes in. Andy, welcome to you. Lovely to have you here. Thank you very much. And what a wonderful introduction. You know, fantastic to sort of have someone, you know, throw that back to me. And it makes me realize that uh, I have had a, a bit of a winding path through my career to wind up now being an entrepreneur, starting my own business. Yeah, look, and I've already you've already shared a lot of that with me, which is why I invited you. In fact, I twisted your arm to come along today and join me. <laughs> um, me tell me, yeah, a bit of a, a bit of the history in technology. It's an interesting one. Um, when, when did you first get interested in in tech and computers and that sort of thing, generally speaking? Um, it was actually my dad on. Uh, I think it was for Christmas uh, when I was about. Uh, 10 or 11 years old, there was this uh, computer called the Commodore 64 um, that uh, he decided to give it to us as a gift. He really wanted secretly wanted to learn how to use it. But um, myself, my brother um, just got into you know, playing these games and then started writing some of our own. This is back in the day when we didn't have disk drives or anything like that. All the games are actually on a cassette tape. Um, and uh, for some listeners, they probably don't even remember what they don't even know what they are. So it's been a while. And then, um, you know, shortly after that, moving up, because I grew up on a farm um, to a private school um, in Perth. And, um, you know, they were just bringing in PCs and, you know, just 
had to, you know, dive into that. Same time, my father decided that he wanted to be a computer science scientist. So he went back to university. I'm studying at school. We're both learning about computers at the same time. Well, that's fantastic. That's a real father-son relationship, isn't it? That's what I call tech bonding. Um, so, so I'm assuming from that that you spent a fair bit of your working life in technology. What was your what was your sort of working history bit? Well, the funny thing is, is that um, even though I was good at the tech, I wasn't terribly great at school. Um, such that my two top choices for university said no. And my third one, which I just put down as a because a friend was um, saying, "Hey, what, what wouldn't it be great? Uh, we live in a state, you know, this is Western Australia, um, that's full of mining. Why don't we? Why don't you go and uh, enrol at the School of Mines?" So I took a bit of a segue um, into mining engineering, you know, digging holes and blowing stuff up. But when I was there, I had an opportunity to create a management system to manage all the student records for the housing that they had available for the student housing. So I built this system and then took it across the entire university, which was, um, I think, about seven or eight uh, locations around the, around the state. So right. short into to mining, digging holes, blowing stuff up, underground. Um, a lot of tech was coming through there at the time, but then realised, actually, you know what, I love this tech stuff, and it just drew me back. Hmm. Right, yeah, because the engineering sector has been one of the forerunners, I suppose, in the in the use and innovative use of uh, of, of tech, isn't it? You know, early into all the AI for their vehicles, all that sort of stuff, and so forth. So, um, I, I suppose you, you've covered. You know, you started off in the mining sector. Perhaps you could cover a few of the other sectors you worked in, and uh, maybe share some of the highlights that you've drawn from from them, respectively. Yeah. Um, one of the one of the um, you know most interesting and uh, influential roles was this uh, engineering company um, that everyone in Western Australia knows called Clough Engineering. Um, they've gone through a couple of different names. Over a hundred years old, this organisation is, and they they describe themselves as an EPC, Engineering Procurement Construction, and they do a lot of work for civil engineering um, for. Um, the, the mining and oil and gas sectors. And one of the projects we had was to build a road for one of our clients that had found some oil in the highlands of Papua New Guinea. And the reason we were building the road is that there was no way of getting all the heavy equipment they needed to actually exploit that particular location um, and get that equipment in there. So we built the road from the sea up into the mountains um, to be able to do that. And I think it was about 700 kilometres along through, um, you know, dense um, tropical rainforests and such like. And one of the biggest uh, challenges was how do we manage all of the um, engineering documents and logistics for all that, making sure everyone knows what we're doing across multiple sites. They're building um, and manufacturing parts and for the bridges and such like in Malaysia. And we've got... Um, operations team in both Brisbane and, and Perth, um, plus a couple of other locations. I think it worked out to be about 20 locations. So we came across this thing called SharePoint um, that was fairly new, um, that uh, Microsoft had uh, been um, developing. And so we used that to exploit web technologies. And this was back oh, more than a decade ago. So before you know the web is ubiquitous and we had everything online, 
Um, and yeah, it was a great success. 500 odd people coordinating on single source of truth replicated out throughout, um, you know, 15 to 20 different locations. Right. Yeah. Um, that was probably one of the biggest projects. Yeah. And then from there gone into multiple other industries. Um, I've worked for multiple police departments, um, delivering technology. One was for a triple O operation center. Uh, so you can imagine the criticality of that particular environment. Uh, you can't afford to lose a call. Um, you know, research and development inside of Ericsson, which is a telecommunications company, uh, product development, and um, overseeing the entire productization for a large telecommunications company, uh, second biggest um, in Australia uh, of Optus, um, worked for Telstra, Vodafone, um, and MBN, so I've done all the rounds there, plus a number of uh, big four banks, insurance companies, um, other government agencies, you know, uh, as well as small consulting firms supporting all of these large organisations. Wow. You certainly, I, I gather from talking to you, I know that you did, you did really well in the corporate space, but, you know, why did you take the leap into entrepreneurship and found... Um, the executive technologist said, Andy, what, what, was the, what was the driver to do that? It's a big step. It's a, it's a huge step. And part of the story is in the introduction you provided to me. Um, you know, th this idea of not paying for time, but paying for what we can do. And that's been sort of the driving force behind creating our own agency. Uh, you a lot of technologists, um, for a variety of reasons, when you're trying to build out these projects, the the communication issue between what the businesses want and what the technologists understand sort of landed in a situation where to solve the problem because the, the, the scope of what needed to be done was so variable and, and things were changing so fast that the default was build um, organisations based on time and materials. How much time does it take and the materials you use? It's very common, very standard, etc. And the thing that that drove me to realise is that now you're only paying for someone to show up, not for someone to actually do anything for you. Yes, if they're not delivering something, you'll get rid of them. So they'll do the bare minimum. It doesn't matter how long it takes because they're just going to get paid for it. And when you look at that from a business perspective, the business perspective is trying to get an outcome. The only time they care about is from the time they get the solution to the time they're realizing that benefit, right? So how can we turn that around? How can we make it a conversation about delivering value? Because that's what businesses want and then connect that to the technologists who can help deliver that. I couldn't see that within any of the consulting firms that I that I was working with. So I thought, no, nah, there's got to be a better way. So I decided to drop out of um, corporate life and say, how hard can it be? Ah. Absolutely. Absolutely right. I got you. So tell me, um, I met you because I'm a new Mac user and had some trials and tribulations and challenges. And I know I'm not the first. Um, and, and I know through that that you just love Apple stuff um, and you certainly know your way around it. But, but yet um, you, you specialize or you focus on Microsoft technology. Why is it you choose Microsoft 
when you look at businesses and so forth and scaling? Uh, Andy? A couple of, couple of funny reasons there. So the thing is, is that Microsoft, especially in Australia, is, is in the corporate world, it's the only language of technology that anyone speaks or spoke for a long, long time. It's changing a little bit now with, you know, the likes of Google really coming on the fore um, with their technology stack, but most corporates are still heavily embedded within Microsoft. Yet I found myself at a particular crossroads when Windows 8 was released and I just couldn't get past the new user interface and colleagues in this new consulting firm that I'd just joined were all using Apple's, Apple uh, MacBooks. And I needed a new device and they raved about it. And I thought, well, why not give it a go? So I dived in and then I just loved the ecosystem. This was about the same time um, in 2012, I think it was. So the iPhone had been out for a little bit. And now you're starting to get that whole iPhone, um, MacBook integration piece where phone calls, et cetera. And I just found the workflow really, really uh, simple. The devices were really nice to use. At the time, the PCs were pretty rubbish. Um, and yeah, I just never looked back. However, being part of the corporate world, all my clients were using Microsoft. And what I've found over the years, especially under um, uh, Satya Nadella, uh, who's the, the, the CEO of Microsoft, it's been about pushing usability and it didn't matter what platform you're on. And for many things, I've found that all the tools I love within the Microsoft space just work just as well on, on Apple. So really the, the, the thing here is, as I find that a mix of both worlds, use the tools that makes no, most sense for you, but deliver you the best outcomes. And from that influence of corporate, one of the strengths that I see with Microsoft is their attention to security. And when you're dealing with, government agencies, police departments and defence departments and other things, um, and used to working with large-scale banks and other organisations that are really sensitive about content management, you know, having that understanding and that, that really deep management of controlling access to stuff, Microsoft just made sense. Yeah, I, I get that. And I must say, thanks to you, I'm now beginning to embrace the two as a pair or, in fact, as a as a tandem, if you like, working together. And I can see the reasons for that, um, whereas previously, I must say, I didn't understand. So it is having the knowledge and the broad, the breadth of knowledge of these different technologies and apps and so forth to be able to pull out what you need. So um, what, what I'd like to do is for you to share maybe some sort of case studies of examples but first what are some of the sort of common problems or mistakes you see businesses making when it comes to technology in their businesses uh, Andy? One of the biggest challenges I see and I describe it as the toy box problem right um, and the reason I describe it as the toy box problem is you know I'm a parent of a uh, father of four and you know at, at various stages of your child's life as they grow up, you look at the toy box, which is overflowing of new toys. You're trying to get 
ideas for for the next Christmas or birthday, and there's just no more room in that toy box. So you've got to go through the process of sorting out that toy box, get rid of all the things um, that they no longer play with or use. And what I find, especially now um, in in business, is technology is not a case of there's we lack from choice, right? We don't lack from choice in business today. So we collect all these toys. We've got all these different systems and all these different technologies um, and all these different accounts, hundreds of them for all these online services that we forget about, don't use. We might be paying for them. And we so we get this really large collection of stuff trying to build our business and trying to drive it forward. And it's because of a different re- a couple of different reasons. It could be a mate said, hey, this is a great system. You've got to use it. It will change your world. Or you ask an advisor or someone else and they say, oh, you've got to use this CRM or, or that tool. Or So you're collecting all these toys. So the biggest mistake we make is we don't make decisions around these technologies with intent. You know, how does that technology fit with our overall business plans and is it going to, and what influence is that having on the three core things of our organisations, our people, our processes and our systems? And we're not understanding those influences. So we just get it because it's cool. We forget about it, but it's not actually solving a problem or it's making one aspect of your business more complicated than it needs to be. Absolutely. I sort of share in that as I've been using tech, you know, forever, but... I must say, I struggle these days. And Prue, my partner who looks after our tech, I mean, as she was saying to me this week, you know, it's just becoming too much. She's been able to keep up with it. But the problem is you implement a new product or you change, you know, your server or something or other. And before you know it, you've got a heck of problems, which are very hard to unwind. It's like having the old balls of cotton wool or knitting wool across the carpet with a kitten playing with it, you know. Where do you start? How do you straighten it out? So, um, and that's where we're, you and I are working together. So that's why I'm pretty confident talking yeah. to people and saying, you've, you've, got a, you've got a mix there in your basket to better work on some of these things. So can you give me any, any examples off the top of your head? Um, yeah. So one um, particular organisation I spoke to, um, she didn't actually become a client, um, but, I, but I hope from our conversation um, that it's helping out. So she was struggling to find where any of her files were. She was updating certain documents, etc. She got six stores as part of our her organisation across the the city that she's based in, um, and couldn't find where all her processes, manuals, etc., or what files she'd updated for, um, you know, uh, scheduling um, for staff and and costs, etc., that she was managing. It turns out she had three or four different online um, cloud storage like Dropbox and a Google Drive and a few OneDrives. Um, she had an external USB drive. Some of her staff had created their own personal accounts as well and were using that. And it was just a just a mess. It's like someone got uh, pickup sticks and just threw them in the corner and said, <laughs> well, like, find what you're looking for. Um, and I, I said to her, is that one thing you to do is, is pick one whether that be Google, Microsoft or other, pick one, make that your focus and then start with a process of just bringing everything across onto that and then giving everyone access that needs access to that particular environment. Uh, really start on that 
foundational piece. Pick one system that's going to be your core and build everything to support around that. Um, the other thing that, I, that I've, uh, another example I had um, was a, a lady I met at a, a conference. We got talking. She was uh, struggling with her business partner about making a really big decision for their business and you know, buy a new CRM. And they'd been speaking with lots of different people, got onto one of the premier um, systems. I won't name it, but you'd all know about it. Um, it's one of the top um, CRMs for large corporates, right? They were going to spend $80,000 to put this thing in because it was a perceived problem they had within the organisation. The first question I asked her is, well, how long is it going to take you? you know, how big is your organisation? She said, well, there's six of us. I went, wow, $80,000 is a big spend. Um, so what do you do? They said, oh, we're a mortgage broker. I went, oh, okay. So how long is it going to take you to pay that $80,000 back? And she went, oh, we didn't think about that. I went, well, you probably should. So anyway, I met her at the next session, which was the next week, and she said, Andy, you just saved us $80,000. We spent a couple of hundred dollars more with the systems we're already using to upgrade the plan, and we solved 95% of the problems that we needed to solve. Wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a great example. $78,000 example. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so you, you, with, with your background of being in IT, obviously you're at the forefront. You've got to be at the forefront all the time. That's what people like like us pay you for is, yep. you know, being out there, waving the flag, having your eyes open, the binoculars on to see what, what's ahead, what storms lay ahead and what solutions and what what sort of uh, desert desert islands there are out there to, to, to land at. So um, your, your job title was one that fascinated me. I've seen it used occasionally. And I just wonder if you could explain why you use the title of Chief Futurist, Andy. Yeah, that's a that's a funny one. Um, I used to just call myself CEO, but it wasn't really triggering um, the questions or really focusing on where where I sit in terms of what I'm trying to do within the organisation and how I'm trying to um, help organisations uh, um, achieve future success. So we came up with this concept of call of the the future ready business. Um, and what that effectively means is in the last 18 months, the world's gone through quite a substantial change. It's like back in March of last year, we took a hard left, right? The world just took a hard left. Everything changed. And it's changed the way we leverage technology. It's the change the way we interact with each other. It's changed the way we, we work. Um, remote working and all of that sort of stuff. And for many, that was really new. I've been doing this for nearly 20 years, the remote stuff. I was working back in my R&D days at Ericsson about developing these very technologies we take for granted today. And so what, what the role's about and what the, the, the future-ready business is, having this foresight of knowing that things are going to change and being able to adapt for it when the change comes. So it means peering across the horizon a little bit, both in your industry, but also at technology, which is changing at a phenomenal rate. We've got robots doing gymnastics and parkour now, right? 
Boston Dynamics are doing some crazy stuff in there. We've got uh, things like blockchain, which is delivering uh, cryptocurrencies and all of these things. There's artificial intelligence and robotic process automation, which is just a fancy word for, um, for automation, and it just captures screen input, right? Um, there's um, conversations are going around, um, you know, inside of Google around the next big thing around computing, which is what they call com quantum computing. So they're using quantum physics to solve really complex problems that a traditional processor would take thousands of years to do, and it's doing it in a fraction of a second. Um, you know, so there's so many different ways that technology is going to influence our world that we're not seeing it. We've got um, Norway, for example, have just hit 90% adoption of plug-in electric vehicles, 90% of all the vehicles that, the, that have been sold inside of Norway today are electric, fully battery electric plug-ins, et cetera. So they're just going to have a transfer. Um, a fundamental shift. I've got um, uh, a colleague or an ex-colleague who created a company um, that focuses on um, the, the the new modern electrical grid, you know, with re renewables and you know coal being um, less of a requirement inside of the grid. So all of these things are going to add up to massive transformational impacts. Just this, the the sorry, could you go away? Uh, just the uh, the things like you know I just had Siri decide to uh, listen in on me there, and you have this um, voice assistance around. My kids talk to Google um, and ask her questions. They also ask her to pull her finger, pull their finger, um, which has many giggles. <laughs> so we're going to be seeing these things like conversational programming. We're seeing things where with um, this technology called serverless, right? What does that mean? It basically means you don't have to worry about all the, the technology, the servers, the physical stuff. You just program, put it on something, someone else's infrastructure, and it runs stuff. It just does things. So you don't have to worry about the, the platform, which this then gives um, organizations great flexibility to, I, if I can't solve the problem with an off-the-shelf um, platform, I'll just code it. Or I can just automate that. I can, you know, my one of my team members, he um, does an end-of-day report um, for me and it needs to go to different places and, and notify different people in different locations. So in the space of a couple of days, he automated that whole process, types into a form, hits go, emails everyone, posts into a Teams channel, a Slack channel, and then um, updates his time card. There's a few things concern me. Being, you know, predominantly spend my my whole career in the small, the SME sort of market space, and gradually embrace tech. Tech now tends to drive the issue rather than being a supplement, um, which it perhaps was 20, 10, 15 years ago. Um, but so, how does a small business, you know, doesn't have to have twenty or thirty employees, but with the five to ten, or even a franchise group that's you know, got relatively simple businesses. There may be a restaurant chain. It may be much simpler. There may be house cleaners. How do they, how do they maintain their position in the marketplace, being successful, keeping it simple so that people don't have to be tech whizzes, and yet keeping on top of the current tech 
at an affordable price. I mean, you know, there's perhaps too much in that question, <laughs> but it's what's it's what gives, it's causing me fog at the moment. But what, let me break that. Let me break that one down. Um, if I if I go with what my, where most of my clients are, and everyone, this is the the thing. This is we're surrounded by so much tech. I hear so many people saying, "Oh, I'd love to be like Facebook and you know create something in the garage and then have this multi billion dollar organization." Maybe you don't have that higher objectives, but the the point is is that you see what the the technology companies are trying to do. And you think, well, how can I keep up with that? You know, um, for many small businesses here in Australia, especially um, that have been impacted by COVID and are working from home and remotely, a couple of things have happened. One, um, for those organisations that were focusing on a particular market, let's say Sydney, right, where I'm, where I'm based, and that's, that's where they focused all their energies around marketing because they were doing lots of face-to-face um, meetings. Now they've moved to um, remote working and everything's done via Zoom, right? You might be using other platforms, but let's face it, most people use Zoom today. You know, that would have been a great organisation to invest in, just as a side note. Um, so that the, the, what what's happened is now because they're all remote, they're not bound by the physical barriers of how far they can drive in and out. Um, they're bound by whoever they can talk to, which could be anyone on the planet. You know, for a lot of clients, especially financial services, they need to obviously focus on certain markets. So let's say we focus on Australia. Now you can pick up clients all around the country. But guess what? So can your competitors. So we've got this new competitive landscape. And even worse, um, people and cheaper resources and cheaper organisations overseas are now targeting your same customer base here in Australia. So that's become a bit of a challenge. So we have to think about what, you know, what that means and how we, we do that. And what a lot of organisations do is they think, oh, we need to get AI and automation and, and um, all this smart technology and all these fancy things. Or we need to build an app um, like one organisation I'm part of. But what they found when they started building that app is that all their existing systems weren't compatible with that new frame of technology. So they had to go back and re-engineer what they already had to get the new stuff to work. And the message here really is, is you need to start with the fundamentals. Just get the simple stuff done right well. You know, things like where you store your files, how you manage your emails, get the security sorted, make sure everyone's got their own user accounts. That's a really big one for small business um, because of accountability. Who did what? When did they do it? Not from a witch hunt perspective, just from, oh, a file changed oh, Brian changed that. Hey, Brian, um, I see you changed the file. Can we have a chat about what that was about? Um, So you need to start there. The next thing you need to do is start looking at, well, as you said, I'm overwhelmed by how much is there. I can't keep up. So the next thing to do is then start empowering your people, right? So by empowering your people, it's more than just giving them a great set of tools. It's giving them the ability to innovate, to tell you, the business owner, um, how we can do things differently. So instead of it, all problems needed to be solved by the owner, you need to de- um, delegate it. You need to democratise it within the organisation. And once you've got that and give people the opportunity to create change, because the people who know your business the best already work for you, right? 
then you can start getting into this idea of, well, how does that influence our processes? You simplify your processes, make it easier for people to actually do things and achieve things. Um, and that's not just internal people, that's external people. We can then move on to how do we now systemize that? How do we take and use this technology to, to deliver what we do at scale? Which is what you do from franchising, but I use tech to help do the same thing. So it's a move it along slowly. And every time you're doing that, you look at whatever the new technology is, and you go, so how does that fit with what I'm doing? Is it going to add value? Is it going to slow us down? Is it going to cause a major disruption? The other thing to do is to look at it from, if I'm a competitor, if I'm a competitor, how would I disrupt my organization? How could I destroy it, if you like? And it gives you really good insights when you think of it that way, because then you go, well, where's all the weak spots are? So the real message I'm trying to say here is don't try to chew the elephant one bite. There's a lot of great tech coming and it's really, really um, easy to say, let's just go and get this next big thing because it's going to change everything. It's not going to work if your foundations aren't right. It's not going to work if your organization isn't geared up and used to a continuous incremental change. Yeah, I think we... Sorry, carry on. No, go on. I was going to say we're sort of we're sort of segueing now in 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 business, and particularly if looking at franchising um, and multi-outlet businesses and and so forth, where really they're focused. They're not in that big tech demand area, which is what the bigger businesses are. They're, they're service businesses. They're servicing the domestic and the commercial market. Often it's face-to-face -face stuff, whether it's cleaning or electricians or plumbers or whatever it might be, um, or it's retail. So it's really small-scale business, but needing to be on top of current tech without getting too embroiled. And that's where, for example, we have managed, because Pru has, has sort of picked up and worked with all of our tech over the years. We've got several websites and all sorts of stuff and so on. Um, and we've got a couple of staff overseas that help us, been able to handle it. But now she said to me this week, I've hit the wall. It's now too techy for me. It takes me so long and I can't get my head around it. And I'm worried I'm getting into deep water. So I think there's a time for businesses to transition and it's not a new concept, but you know, you, you can't afford your own IT department, but you need to have a virtual IT department, I think, um, to be on top of this big stuff because no one in a small to medium-sized business can keep on top of this tech. Um, and, and because there, there's a lot of quicksand around, what you're implying is you may grab the wrong the wrong life raft and you're really going to be stuck um yeah well as i said we don't lack from choice you google google crm right everyone needs a crm in their business to manage their customer records the moment you do that you're going to get thousands and thousands of pages bunch of ads and you know i've been asked this and i've been building crms and putting in implementing crm systems for a very long time um you know more than 20 years and everyone asks you a question, what's the right one? Well, it's like choosing clothes. What's the right set of clothes? It depends on your circumstances, depends on your style, depends on your particular needs. It's a personal choice. 
But it's really, really tempting to just go and get the one with the most features or the cheapest or the, um, you know, the, the flashiest or the one your mate down the road's using because it suits him but doesn't suit you. You know, so in small business, you're trying to compete and you're trying to dive into the technology world, but you've got to sort of bring it back to how does this actually help deliver value for me and my clients? You know, and what's the impact that's going to deliver? There's all the tech in the world is not going to save you from crappy customer service. Yes. So, look, in, in moving towards wrapping up here, um, I suppose would I be would I have drawn the right conclusion here that the first place to start is looking at your fundamentals. Make sure you've got the right, you know, things like your Dropbox or whatever. Limit the number of tools you're using, particularly if they're if they're not complementary necessarily, but you know, parallel. And you're saying, why do I have two of this and three of this? Get your email processes sorted. Get all that foundation in place, and then you start looking at what do you need and what can you plan for for the next two or three years or as far as you can possibly look these days. Uh, is, yeah. is that a picture? Yeah, exactly. Look at what, sort out the fundamentals, look at what your business strategy is, and then understand in terms of with that business strategy, what technology do I need or what systems do I need in place to be able to support that strategy? And then the other thing is, is as you say, is start with the little stuff, get comfortable there, stretch yourself a little bit, stretch yourself a little bit more, empower and stretch your team to do a little bit more, you'd be surprised, especially when you're employing younger people. They'll, they'll tell you stuff. I mean, my, um, my team, I gave them a bunch of tasks to do, and um, my, um, my assistant came back to me and said, why would I want to copy and paste all this data from this system to that system? Why don't we just automate that? And here's me, the technologist that talks about automation, my team member, had just started with me and said, don't be stupid, go and automate that. You know, so, and, and that's really it. Don't try to take it all on yourself and don't try to do it all at once. I think think steps, yeah, get used to small changes yeah, and those yeah. will add up to a big thing. Look, and that's the challenge that I think is the franchise sector faces, particularly people who are emerging franchises, new to the sector. I've got a business, so I run a lot of stuff fairly manually. I need to automate it. And it sounds to me like the, this solution, you, you've given us the sort of prescription for it. So that's that's brilliant. Andy, I'd like to thank you so much. And on behalf of our listeners, say thanks for giving us your time today. Really grateful. We could talk for a long time. <laughs> Maybe there's another call in the pipeline. But uh, for the moment, um, thanks for giving us the chance to hear your words of wisdom. I've certainly picked up quite a lot. I think I know what I need to do. So um, anyone... Uh, um like like to learn a bit more about Andy's business. Andy, I think you've got something you want to add at the end. And I don't know if there's any last minute things you want comments you want to make or whatever before we sign off. Um yeah, look, I'll, I'm just going to finish on on um yeah a, a couple of little things. Number one is a lot of people in business, especially if you don't have that technology background, you get intimidated as soon as a tech guy opens their mouth, they'll start using all these big words, etc. So the default position is most people throw their hands in the air and say, I'm not a techie, I don't understand this, it's just too hard, la, 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 fingers in the ears. 
what we need to do is appreciate, especially as we get older, that, you know, all this stuff is new. It's changing. I have to relearn my own, own job every six months because it changes that fast. Um, you know, just appreciate for what you do and just look at what you were able to achieve and think, well, is there an easier way to do what I'm doing now? And that's just a little bit, a little bit easier. Don't try to go, don't try to go off into stuff that you can't even spell. Start with just those incremental improvements. Um, and when you need help, you reach out to someone like myself and my organization to make those changes, to just guide you and advise you and help you along the way. Not so that we tell you what to do, but so you can ask those those questions that you just can't seem to get the, the straight answer for. And, and, and finally, um, along my journey, and I have had a winding journey in my life and career, I had an opportunity recently, um, and this is, this is something that uh, I've got a little gift for everyone who's listening. Um, I had an opportunity to be involved in a project um, about writing a book. There was about 15 or 16 of us, and we were, we were tasked with writing a chapter that described our lives and the decisions we've made um, for ourselves and their family and, and uh, those things um, and the impacts of those to get us to where we are today. And, and it's called wise guys with a, with a Y instead of a W. And so it's a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, um, all men, obviously, um, uh, and we talk about our stories and the, the view of this is that it's to give others who are reading it to go, well, actually, I'm not alone. You know, life is not necessarily a straight line. It's a series of choices and decisions and inflection points along that way. So my gift is I've got a bunch of um, books here that I'm a co-author on, plus all these other guys, that if anyone would like to uh, grab a copy. So get in touch with Brian and, um, yeah. I'll happily send that anywhere in the world. Brilliant. Okay, I'll put a link on the on the invite I send it. Well, um, Andy, been great talking to you. Thank you so much. Um, uh, really enjoyed chatting to you. Um, thanks for meeting. Thanks for coming into the studio today. It's, it's always lovely to have guests here. Um, so, uh, in closing, I just like to say, if you need to simplify your business methods, uh, you want to document your systems, you want to grow your business then please um, don't hesitate, get in touch. We'd love to help you. Um, there's things happening as well. We're, we're, we're on the move. So you'll see some exciting things coming from us in the near future. So thanks again, everybody. Thank you, Andy. And look forward to talking to you soon when we have our next Franchise Radio Show. Andy, goodbye. Chance for you to sign off as well. 